No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. Welcome to a special edition of The Sporting Life. Presented in partnership with E60. Here's Jeremy Schaap. Welcome to a special edition of The Sporting Life. This week, the full hour is dedicated to a single story. As you might be aware, Tom Brady is poised to become a free agent. After 20 seasons in New England, the six-time Super Bowl champion might have played his final game as a Patriot. But back in 2001, Brady was merely a backup to a quarterback who seemed destined for the Hall of Fame himself, Drew Bledsoe. What happened next is one of football's most consequential stories, but rarely told from the point of view of the man who lost the job. This is Better With Age, the Drew Bledsoe story, produced by Max Brodsky for E60. The French call it terroir, the total environment in which a wine is produced. The soil, the climate, the topography. Here in Walla Walla, in eastern Washington state, the terroir is extraordinary. It produces some of the world's best wines. This total environment also produced Drew Bledsoe. It was a great privilege to grow up in a town like this that is really rooted in agriculture. You work hard, uh, you know, honesty matters, uh, you know, your word is your bond. Drew's brother Adam and their mother Barbara say football was part of the family fabric. My dad was a pretty uh, renowned football coach in eastern Washington and our, actually, our great-grandmother coached football in Texas during the war when there weren't any men around. So, you know, going way back, uh, we're a football family. From the time he could walk, really, I would take him to practices, and he would play and crawl and throw balls. He spent endless, endless hours. All those hours would pay off. By the time he was a sophomore, Drew was starting at quarterback for Walla Walla High School. His father, Mac, knew that Drew was headed for big things in the game. He was truly a great high school football player. He always had a big arm, but the key to his success was his confidence and his self-assurance. I think a lot of kids grow up and say, oh, I'm going to be in the NFL. You know, that's pretty far-fetched. But I certainly had those dreams in high school. For college, Drew chose Washington State, just two hours down the road in Pullman. Playing football in Pullman was was fantastic. You know, small little town, so I felt comfortable. It's sort of like what I grew up with. You know, most importantly, I went up there and I, I found the right woman. So, yeah, worked out well. That woman's name was Mara, and she would later become Drew's wife. First memory was... Please want me sharing this, but I don't care. So my best friend was dating his roommate at the time at Washington State. She came over, um, and uh, yeah, I was there, and I just remember that she didn't really give me the time of day. No shirt, and he just stands at the door. He's like, "Hey," and I was like, "Hey, hey." No idea who he was. I'm like, "Really? Wow, what's wrong with her? Does she know who I am?" I was like, "Who's that? He's kind of an idiot." Once I got to know him, I was like, oh, "All right, he's he's a nice guy." Bledsoe time. He'll fake it. He'll run it. Touchdown, Washington State. In 1992, as a junior, Bledsoe was named the Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year. 
he emerged as college football's top prospect. Bledsoe goes deep. Caught. Touchdown. When the season was over, Bledsoe declared for the draft. The team with the first pick, the New England Patriots. They just finished 2-14 and and hired their third coach in four years. Bill Parcells returned to the NFL today after a two-year absence for a monstrous task, turning the New England Patriots into a championship football team. The guy, when I think, can have the biggest impact on this franchise the quickest will be the guy we draft. What was it like going to New York for the draft? Clampets go to New York City. <laughs> to be in New York City was very, very exciting. It was just like in the movies. I loved it. We are all uh, tingling with anticipation. It looks like it's going to be quarterbacks. Drew Bledsoe, Rick Meyer, 1-2. Parcells would never tell anybody what he was, what he was going to do, so I didn't know until they called my name that I was going to go first. The uh, Patriots select Drew Bledsoe, quarterback, Washington State University. That's well, a great, great honor to be the number one pick. I couldn't be happier with anything. I'm going to go play for a team with a, with a great new coach, a team that's on the rise. What were you thinking? I don't know, man. I'm a small-town kid from Walla Walla. First time my family had ever been on an airplane together. It was all very surreal. New England was a long way from Walla Walla. And the Patriots were a franchise in shambles. And the boos ring out once again. Unbelievable. Embarrassing. In 33 years of existence, there had been just six playoff appearances. And it's no good. The owner was threatening to move the team to St. Louis. If the new quarterback and the new coach failed to click, it might have meant the end of pro football in New England. What was it like being exposed to the Parcells away? Um, you know, not enjoyable, you know. I mean, he was uh, he was not fun to play with, and anybody that ever tells you that he was is just flat-out lying to you. One of the things I remember distinctly is he would stand right behind me during practice, and as I would drop back, he'd get in my ear and go, throw it, throw it, throw it! <laughs> so I'm like, just, just leave me alone. <laughs> it was a tough relationship. Drew Bledsoe, first player taken in the draft, set for his first NFL snap. Bledsoe and Parcells made it work well enough that by the end of the season, in January 1994, a longtime season ticket holder would buy the team. He paid an NFL record $172 million to keep the Patriots in New England. His name was Robert Kraft. This is my hometown, and, and I just believe this hometown wouldn't have been the same if this team had left here. Having Drew here at that time, what role did that play in your thinking about acquiring the team? Oh, it, you know, I had dreamt about buying the team and having a franchise quarterback like that, and it created a whole new feeling about the team and the potential. In his second season, Bledsoe would lead the NFL in yards and completions. Here's his teammate, linebacker Ted Johnson. 
God gave him a thunderbolt of a right arm. He could throw it into any window. He had so much trust in his ability and his arm. Led by a record-setting performance of Drew Bledsoe. In 1996, his fourth season in the league, Bledsoe would lead New England to the Super Bowl. Bledsoe into the end zone, touchdown! Great throw by Drew Bledsoe. Goodbye, Desmond Howard! That hurts. That, that hurts a lot. Despite losing to the Packers and then losing Bill Parcells to the Jets, Bledsoe had brought a new feeling to Foxborough. The Kraft family, including Robert's son Jonathan, was feeling good about its purchase. He gave sports fans reason to believe. He was visible in the community. He did media. He made you excited to be a Patriot fan. Three seasons with Pete Carroll as head coach would follow. Then, in January 2000, Robert Kraft turned back to the Parcells coaching tree. It's my honor and pleasure to introduce Bill Belichick. I'm thrilled to be part of this organization and and to be able to have the opportunity to lead this team. In the moment, it seemed that Bledsoe was the future of the franchise. Here's longtime Boston sports columnist Michael Holly. Bledsoe was the quarterback, and Bill Belichick thought that because he gave him a huge contract after the 2000 season. Record contract, $103 million. Obviously, they thought this was Bledsoe's team. On first down from the 25, corner blitz, wide open, caught Jefferson, touchdown! This guy's a Pro Bowl quarterback, he's a franchise quarterback, you know, he's taking his team to the Super Bowl, this guy's going to play, you know, for 15 plus years. Among the other quarterbacks on the team heading into the 2001 season, fellow Washingtonian Damon Hewitt. It was a pretty cool quarterback room with me and Drew and Tom. And a sixth-round draft pick in his second season in New England, Tom Brady. They were buddies. They were good friends, for sure. I think everybody saw that. He was over at our house. We had him over for dinner probably at least every other week. I really like this kid. He's he's never going to be a starter. He's going to be Jason Garrett or... or um, you know, one of those guys that's just going to be around forever. He'll be a good backup quarterback, you know, for a decade plus. But nobody outside of maybe Tom himself um, would ever have predicted that he was going to go on to um, to be a starter uh, in the league. But in week two of the 2001 season... Boom. It was one of the loudest hits I've ever heard. That hit would nearly cost Drew Bledsoe his life. It would also change the course of pro football history. You have September 11th and all the, the, the emotion that went with that. We skip a week and then we come back and we play the Jets. And I had just signed a 10-year deal with, with, the, uh, with the Patriots, figured I was going to be there for life. But late in the fourth quarter of that game against the Jets, with the Patriots trailing 10 to 3. I was running and I was going I was going out of bounds, but I knew I was a couple yards short of the first down and wasn't going to surrender on third down and, and, and so I turned back in. 
It was one of the loudest hits I've ever heard. It was a scary, scary scene. You see somebody's eyes all in the back of their head. I'm immediately calling for somebody to come check on it, <laughs> you know, because he didn't look good. Went back in the game after the hit. Also had a concussion, it turns out, because I... I remember turning to, uh, to Mark Edwards, who was our fullback, and I knew it, that we had to check with me, right or left. And I knew I needed to go left, but I didn't know how to know what the word was. He and Heward ratted me out on the sideline that I wasn't healthy. He would have played through it if some of us on the sideline were like, yeah, no, this isn't right. Bledsoe would play one more series before sitting out the final few plays of the game. His eyes were kind of turning yellow, and he was kind of complaining. He was, like, having a hard time breathing. And I'm like, no, dude, like, you need to get over there with the trainer. Our trainer and the team doc grabbed me after the after the game. When I went in the uh, the training room, they took my pulse, and that's when, that's when they got concerned. Because normally if you get a concussion, your heart rate slows way down. Well, my heart rate was accelerating. It was spiking. They through in the ambulance my brother my brother rode in the ambulance with me to uh uh to uh mass general we got just on the outskirts of boston and i, I, I went lights out did he just die like is he did he just die in front of me i mean you see because i never seen anything like this you know we pull up to the ambulance thing there's this big flurry of activity and they um get him pull his stretcher out of the ambulance and rush him behind a curtain and close the curtains By the time you reach him, what's the situation? Uh, they didn't know at the time. It was touch and go. They were worried that they were going to lose them, and they didn't know what, how they were going to um, lose. Like, you mean you mean die? Oh yeah, like they were. They didn't know what was happening. It was scary. Woke up a few hours later and had a tube stuck in my chest. Blood was being pumped out of my body and cleaned and put back into my body. Half of his blood was pooled in his ribcage. And if he'd have been on his way home, he'd have either died in the car accident when he lost consciousness, or he would have died from the blood loss. Bledsoe's lung had collapsed. A sheared blood vessel in his chest was causing massive hemorrhaging. It would take doctors more than two days to completely stop the bleeding. After six days in the hospital, Bledsoe finally went home. His life had been saved. But while he was recovering, football would have to wait. And his backup would get a chance. He said, wow, it's so great. Now Tommy's going to get to play and People are going to find out how good he is, and some really good team is going to pick him up. It's going to be great for him, Mom. He's going to be the guy who stays out of the way, keeps the Patriots competitive until Drew Bledsoe returns to take his job. 
But Brady never saw it that way. And he told a couple of players on that team, he's not getting the job back. And they started laughing because they thought he was so cocky. But he meant it. I'm not giving the job back to, to Bledsoe. It's mine. On a second and goal, play action. Brady throw to the end zone. Touchdown, Jermaine Wiggins. We started to win games. Tom gained confidence. And we just caught fire, man. He may have played with a different type of energy. But I think the biggest thing was that he was stringing together back-to-back wins. In Week 10, with the team 5-4, and four, Bledsoe is cleared to play. Now, Bill Belichick has to make a choice. The $100 million two-time All-Pro, the face of his franchise, or the sixth-round pick with seven career starts. It was a great debate in New England. Bledsoe or Brady, that was the theme of every sports conversation. When asked about what could soon become a quarterback quandary, Patriots coach Bill Belichick simply responded, quote, I'm going to play the guy who gives us the best chance to win every week. I know that the team is firmly behind me and they're behind Brady at the same time. You and the media would try to make that impossible, but, uh, but that's the way it is with our team. On November 20th, 2001, Belichick announced his decision. Barring any unforeseen circumstances, uh, Tom will be the quarterback. I, I think that I want to make it as clear as I can that this is not about um, Drew losing a job or being beat out or anything like that. Are you hurt, frustrated, or how do you feel? <laughs> Next question. In any way, do you see this coming, Drew? Um, I'll just put it this way. I look forward to the chance to compete for my job. What about Belichick? What did he say to you? Belichick? Oh, at the, at the, the time of the decision? Uh, you can imagine. It just, it's like, hey, we decided to go with Tom. And that was, that's, that's the extent of the conversation. Come on. Yeah. That's it? That's all you well, get no, from I mean, Belichick? No, you've been, you've, you've I've been him. around him. You've seen him. And then, uh, no, there's, that's, yeah, that's, that's it. Here's Bledsoe's father, Mac. I happened to be at Drew's house. On the Wednesday, he came home from practice. He came in the house that day, and he just said, Mara, I need a minute, and he went into his office. Just before we went to bed, I said to him, Son, you seem bothered by something when you came home. What's up? And he said, Well, I wasn't going to tell you, but he said, uh, Coach Belichick told me today that uh, Tom Brady's going to be the quarterback the rest of the way. I'm going to be the backup. That was a bitter pill to swallow. I thought I was entitled to get my job back, and it turns out I wasn't, and it doesn't work that way. A lot of people thought it was supposed to work that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, and now you don't lose your job to injury, and it's, it turns out you don't lose your job to injury unless uh, somebody comes in and um, you know plays well at a lower at a lower number, <laughs> or, or, or um, you know. So it's just uh, you know you know it was it was tough to it was a tough thing to deal with. Bledsoe's teammates, quarterback Damon Heward and linebacker Ted Johnson, remember what it was like when the switch was made from Bledsoe to Brady. Drew was pissed, as you would think any competitive franchise quarterback with all the success that he'd had would be. It was a shock to all of us. It really, really was. 
if you were to take a, a vote of the team, I, you know, I'm not sure where it would have been. There was a, a lot of guys that were Drew guys. Not that we were anti-Tom Brady. We weren't. We just, we loved and would kill for Drew Bledsoe because of just who he was. We have great fans. I feel like we have, you know, one of the best owners in sports. I just really look forward to being able to go back on the field. What do you remember thinking when Bill told you, this is the way I'm going? I was heartbroken because I felt a connection and I didn't think it was fair on a human basis. I'm going to make the best decisions I can for the football team. That's what, that's what Mr. Kraft's paying me to do, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make the decisions that I think are the best for the football team. Drew came to me and expressed his frustration. I went and met with Bill, and Bill explained to me his thinking. Drew just hasn't had the opportunity to do what Tom has done the last eight weeks. He just hasn't been able to do it. I mean, I could have stepped in, especially at that time. I had deep discussions with Bill. I was bothered, but I trusted Bill to make the final decision as he's more capable than I am, although emotionally it was very difficult. There's a lot of discussion about whether he was told he would get the job back. How do you feel like you're able to compete if you're not able to get any snaps? Next question. Did you expect when you were healthy that you would get the opportunity to at least come in and compete and get some snaps? That's what I was told. He felt like he was lied to by Bill Belichick. It was very tense uh, with them. There was maybe a little gap in the understanding of what of what an opportunity would be. Maybe I shouldn't have made the commitment to Drew that I did. Bledsoe didn't like Belichick. They did not talk. It was like it, it was like a reality show. There's a conflict between trying to create uh, an equal opportunity to position and trying to get a team ready to play. It's it's. Uh, I just I don't think I can do both. You know, after a life of continuous success, mm-hmm. where, where yeah. do you turn to that moment? Yeah, well, I, I uh, turned to my wife, turned to my folks, uh, and uh, you know, I think they uh, they they were like maybe more bitter about it than I was. I was mad. Yeah, I was mad. I was angry. It was unjust and undeserved, and I didn't handle it well at all. You know, give me a really fast car and let a coach walk out in front of me, and I don't want to go to prison. I don't think you mean that literally, Mark. Well, I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't think so, no. I think I actually said... Haven't your kids got some baseball bats around here someplace? <laughs> Let's go down to the facility and we'll straighten this out. I said, my gosh, son, what are you going to do about that? And I did some uh, soul searching and decided that the only proper way to handle it was to go back to work and be the best teammate I could. I always liked and respected Tom. I was proud of him. But at the same time, you know, it was it was tough. To, it was a tough thing to deal with. You and Drew, how would you characterize the way you guys have been getting along through this? 
we've been we've been doing you know very well. You know, I always say you let the coach make the decisions. I try to be the best player I can be. He tries to be the best player he can be, and you know he's uh you know he's he's doing fine. He said. I'm still going to get to the practice facility early. I'm still going to watch extra film. I'm still going to score perfect on my game plan test. And if they call on me, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to do whatever I can, as I always have, to help this team win. And one thing that falls into that heading is to try and conduct myself in a manner that allows the players on our team to support both Tom and myself. Here's New England wide receiver Troy Brown. I think he just showed a level of uh, professionalism there and... I think just the unselfishness. He was probably our MVP because he could have easily tore our team down just by causing a stink about the whole situation. But he wasn't that kind of person. After Bill Belichick chose Tom Brady, the Patriots closed out the regular season with six consecutive wins. Good evening, everyone. At the winter wonderland that is Foxborough Stadium. Then, in the playoffs... They famously beat the Raiders in the snow. That win sent New England to Pittsburgh for the AFC title game. I remember going into the game, you know, I just felt like I was going to play. Brady is down in the backfield. Oh, boy. Brady hurts his ankle, so he has to leave the game. Ruth Bledsoe will come in for the first time since the final minutes of the New York Jet game back in the second week of the season. So it was a reversal of what happened earlier. Bledsoe out, Brady in, now Brady out, Bledsoe in. Bledsoe, throwing, complete at the 25-yard line to David Patton. In that drive, he was tackled on the sideline, almost identical to the Mo Lewis hit. I could actually see his face from where I was sitting. And he got up and he had a big grin on his face and he said, I'm ready to go now. He threw this dime to the back of the end zone. Back to throw, looks, fires, open, touchdown! Touchdown by Drew Bledsoe, his first touchdown pass of the season! And nobody was sitting down on the bench. We all got up to see him. We were so happy for him, so proud for him. He deserved that moment. We're heading to New Orleans as the American Football Conference champions. I think that game for me was a real mark of his character. For the second time in five years, Drew Bledsoe had won the AFC title game. Very hard year. I'm proud of going to the But as the Patriots, including a now-recovered Tom Brady, arrived in New Orleans for Super Bowl 36, it was clear this was no longer Bledsoe's team. You've been the guy, you know, since you were a sophomore in high school, um, and your team's in that game, and you don't want to be watching from the sidelines. So it's tied at 17 to 17 with a minute 30 to play in regulation. Before the last drive, Tom came to the sidelines and Bill was telling him, now you be careful with the ball, don't take too big a chances. And as Tom was going back out on the field, Drew said, F that, get out there and wing it, kid. 
And now the Patriots have no timeouts left to try to get down the field to see if they can win it on a field goal. A pulse-pounding finish to this one here in New Orleans. Kick is on the way, and it is good! And the Patriots are Super Bowl champions! Go 12! You're the man, baby! You are the man! It was super sweet to watch the team win that game. Super bitter to not be on the field with them. In that moment, a dynasty was born and legacies started taking shape. But for Drew Bledsoe, Super Bowl 36 wasn't the beginning of something, but instead the end. After they won the Super Bowl and Tom Brady was the MVP, it was clear you're not going to keep two quarterbacks on the roster. And on the way out, he takes out a full-page ad in the Boston Globe to say thank you. That's Drew Bledsoe. The following offseason, New England moved on from Bledsoe. The Super Bowl champions do make a deal. Drew Bledsoe is dealt to Buffalo. The Patriots, in return, get a first-round pick in next year's draft. From the outside looking in, nobody wants to go to Buffalo. Then you get there, man. It was a cool place to play. In his first season after being traded to Buffalo, Bledsoe made his fourth Pro Bowl. But the next year, the Bills abruptly changed course. With the uh, 22nd pick in the 2004 draft, the Buffalo Bills picked J.P. Lawsman, quarterback, Tulane. I was baffled. You know, number one drafting a quarterback and number two drafting a quarterback they drafted. Following the 2005 season, Bledsoe was benched for Lossman. The next year, Bledsoe signed with the Cowboys, where he would be reunited with his first NFL head coach, Bill Parcells. He did tell me that I'm going to be the starting quarterback, but if uh, we get into training camp and there's a better option, he'll do it. In Dallas, the pattern would repeat itself. So the 26-year-old Romo replaces the 34-year-old Bledsoe. At some point, you know, you look at it, you're like, okay, you know, how long am I going to just let these guys kick me around? And I'm like, you know what? I'm good. On April 11, 2007, after 14 seasons in the NFL, Drew Bledsoe retired. When he stepped away, he was top 13 all-time in touchdown passes passing yards, and completions. It had been a Hall of Fame caliber career, but Bledsoe's days as a high achiever weren't behind him. When I decided to leave football, it wasn't because I disliked football, I didn't want to play anymore. It was because I wanted to go to onto the next thing. Most people have this wine epiphany and I had one of those in Massachusetts. I was walking down the stairs, and at the top of the stairs I had a sip of wine, and when I got to the bottom, I was still tasting, I was still doing interesting things. I was like, okay, that's really different. Um, and uh, that really was when I went a little crazy for it. Back in Walla Walla, Washington, his hometown, Drew Bledsoe has given up the playing fields for his vineyards. And these days he measures success 
not in yards and completions, but other ways. In 2007, he and his wife Mara released their first wine under their double-back label, a Cabernet Sauvignon. Wine Spectator magazine ranked it 54th on their list of the world's top 100 wines. In the summer of 2018, Bledsoe opened a 15,000-square-foot state-of-the-art winery. We're super proud of our new facility. This is the first real party we've uh, had a chance to have here and break this in. I think he takes great pride in the fact that this is this is his baby that he built. And it's successful, and it's not just a football player making wine. Our hope is that eventually that this is all vineyard out here, because I just think it would be so stunningly beautiful. The cool thing is... It's really allowed me to feel, um, you know, I don't know, like I'm accomplishing something. With time comes healing. In 2011, Drew Bledsoe returned to Foxborough to be enshrined in the Patriots Hall of Fame. No player did more to take the Patriots from where they were to where we are now. Ladies and gentlemen, Patriots Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Bledsoe. The reaction of the crowd when he was introduced. People love him. People will forever hold him in a very high position. I came here as a 21-year-old kid out of Walla Walla, Washington, and you embraced me as one of your own. He made those first seven or eight years of my ownership very special. I'll forever be grateful to that. Loyalty is important to me. (laughs) The thing about Drew was when he was the first round pick in 1993, this organization was the worst in the league easily. And uh, he was part of that nucleus that, that made this organization competitive. The thing that, that, that I'm proud of from those years, we went from being awful to being relevant, which that's a big jump. And then to go from being relevant to being arguably the greatest dynasty in sports history is really astounding. Living in the shadow of a dynasty perhaps would have driven other men to be consumed by all the what-ifs. But for Drew Bledsoe, The glass that has been his life isn't half empty or merely half full. It's brimming over. If he wasn't happy, maybe, you know, and didn't have this other career of doing the wine thing and thriving off that. And and so if he didn't have that, I could see him dwelling back in the past. Hey, babe. How you doing? I'm great, man. Great to see you, buddy. Jealousy. Does that mean anything in your life? No. No, it really doesn't. I'm, I'm genuinely happy for Tom. Um, and, and, uh, and I can say that, you know, completely honestly. I'm genuinely happy for him. What's up, youngster? What's up, baby? What's How up? you doing? I'm the only one I guess to call you young around here. You know? <laughs> there's not many. I know, man. No, I'm there's none. There's none now. They remember me, you know, for, for uh, getting hurt and, and for Tommy coming, coming in and playing. You know, maybe if Tommy had sucked, it would have been different, you know? I mean, seriously, Tommy, you got to go on and just win win everything. I'll never convince myself it was the right decision. We would have won a lot more Super Bowls. We'd have like eight of them. 
um, if, if, I, if, I, if I had stayed on the field. The fact that you could joke about it yeah. says something, right? Uh, I mean, life's too short to spend time being bitter. By handling it that way, you know, I'd, I'd you know, been, been able to, to be at peace. I truly wouldn't trade my life for anybody's in the entire world. Thanks for having joined us. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and this has been The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio. Join us again next week. We're on every Saturday and every Sunday morning at 6 Eastern Time.